from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos postgame reaction podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing as your Toronto Argonauts take down the Edmonton Elks 43-31 in what was the strangest game I've seen this season and there have been some strange ones. There have been some weird plays, but JB, that that game uh, looked to me like a TSN top 10 countdown of strange plays that you only see in the CFL. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was definitely weird. It had kind of kind of an exhibition game feeling to it sometimes where like nothing really mattered. Um, and then there were moments where it was really exciting to watch and then and then there were some moments where it just seemed to never end. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was fine. I would have loved um, for it to have been a little bit tighter in the second half, but good for the, good for the good guys. <laughs> and this post-game reaction podcast is brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. I've got a nice one on the go here, Half Moon Pond, which is sort of a celebratory drink, I think, for me. It's an orange-red ale, sort of an amberish uh, take from Something in the Water. And this, as much as, I, as much as I love Half Moon Pond, and it is a fantastic beverage, in a few weeks' time, this will be replaced by Longboat because Longboat is the Argos themed beer. It's the beer that was made for fans of the Double Blue, and that is going to be available in cans soon. But if you want some right now, go down to something in the water. You can ask for it on the secret tap that only X's and Argos fans know about. I keep getting I keep getting DMs and tagged in pictures of people enjoying their Longboat Pale Ale from Something in the Water. Keep that up. I love that, and I do send that on to them, and they appreciate it too. So they. I love the fact that our listeners are are drinking Longboat off the tap and it will be available in cans soon. All right, JB, let's get into this one. So let's sort of, I, I know we're going to go, we're going to go all over the place. We'll start chronologically and we'll sort of see where it takes us from there. But Edmonton, first of all, is they're not a good football team, but you can recognize that this is an improved football team than last season. Still not a team you should ever lose to. But you get how they were able to hold BC to a single touchdown, how they were able to hold Saskatchewan to a single touchdown. They've got some players on this team, even if the team as a whole isn't uh, lights out. Um, well, we, we disagreed a little. I'm not sure how improved they are. Uh, they, 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 still, <laughs> they still didn't seem very good to me on offense or defense so <laughs> I, i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to say no to that i'm sure edmonton fans might might want to feel it but uh to me they and ottawa are still you know they were the worst two teams in the league last year and have yet to relinquish their uh their belts well i just had to submit my power rankings for three down nations weekly power rankings and i will tell you as much as the elks are in trouble I did not have them eight or nine myself, so uh, I think there. I think there's something there. And don't you remember how bad they were last? Like last season, they were they were unwatchable. There's exciting plays that were made today. They've got they got two really exciting ends in in Ceresna and Leonard. You've got um, some up and coming defensive backs who are rookies, but good ones. Purifoy as a safety was an all star. Eugene Lewis yeah, is I mean, maybe the best Purifoy receiver in the game. Amazing. Yeah. He is like they've they've got pieces that are exciting, and yeah. and I do like Chris Jones as a coach, although um, he made some strange calls today. But I I don't think I don't think you can dismiss and say well it's just Edmonton. Argos play terribly in Edmonton historically. They have they won their last year but barely over a terrible Edmonton team. They they lost to Edmonton at, at home the year before that. This is not a team that Toronto is problem-free against. Edmonton has given them all <laughs> sorts of trouble at home, and they are a much better team than last year, despite what JB says. So 43 points, the 31 on the other side of the ball is kind of a weird number. We'll talk about that. But I think all in all, that's, that's a nice showing from the Argos. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah I mean, it was excellent. I, I'm not taking anything away from the Argos. I thought uh, they went out and did what they should do, which is, you know, be the better team and the better squad and, and put away a professional win and they did that now we've seen we've seen coach bell and we've seen robertson daniel come out of the tunnel in clown makeup um, or devil makeup i don't quite know what it was 
today Lucius Purifoy came out of the tunnel with a scary clown mask on. And I wasn't sure if that was going to end up being sort of foreshadowing Edmonton's performance uh, or Toronto's. But uh, he had he had a heck of a game today. I think, you know, some of the things that we saw from Chad Kelly today, mostly positive. I think his numbers aren't amazing. 13 of 23 for 264, a touchdown, two interceptions. Both of those picks were to Purifoy. Uh, I, do you... Do you grade Chad Kelly's performance as an improvement from last week, a downgrade, uh, a logical progression? I th- I think it'll always be um, n- not so linear. I thought there were things that Chad did better this week than he did the first week, and then there were new things that I you know weren't great. But I think that's the nature of him learning to be a quarterback as long as the good outweighs the bad um there'll always be sort of new things that he has to fix it won't just be oh here's a problem then he fixed it and then it never happened again uh so i i liked his performance more than i did last week i thought this was a little bit more expansive a little he took a few more chances um yeah i i I liked his performance very much despite you know there being a pick six and and uh, you know a few other mistakes. I I thought that this was a a really good CFL quarterback performance that you would take from any veteran. I was nervous at the start of the game because they came. Those first two plays did not look like they were ready to play football. That first play, the timing was all wrong. It was a quick pass out to Olette, and there was no blocking. It didn't look like anyone was on the same page. And then they go deep on the next play and overthrown corner route for Cam Phillips, who wasn't really open. And then they're punting. And then Edmonton comes down the field in a, a drive that was admittedly aided by a 15-yard penalty for a hit to the head on Cornelius, which I thought was kind of questionable. And a pretty big punt return from from uh, C- uh, CJ Sims, who was, he had a he had a day today. They had, they had great uh, punt and kickoff return blocking. Um, and Edmonton up 7 nothing. That was that's the like worst case scenario because you don't want to give that team confidence. It was huge that Toronto was able to answer that with a touchdown drive of their own and tie it up at seven. Yeah, it was um, you know, he, he well, we can talk about Sims, you know, he was he was an issue all game. The kick return was an issue all game, which is something we'll have to try and tighten they'll have to try and tighten up. Um Yeah, I I I uh I don't know why I like Kelly's performance so much more. It doesn't really hold up with the numbers, but it just felt like he was in charge and he didn't let any of his mistakes derail him. He just kept pushing forward, even though he had more mistakes than he did the week before. I really liked the fact that it it didn't seem to uh, it didn't seem to rattle him at all. He had a short memory on his mistakes, right? We talk about that as being so important for DBs. It's hugely important for quarterbacks. If you if you carry the interception you just threw with you out there onto the field for your next possession, you're in trouble. And he didn't do that. Like the, the so we talked about that opening drive being so terrible. He answered that with the second drive, and it was a beautiful touchdown drive. A yeah. nice pass to Devaris, a nice pass to to Phillips. Uh, ended up being a AJ Olette run. But that uh, that was the perfect answer. And it seemed like every time he threw a pick, he came back with the very next play with something else. Because I thought when when he threw that pick six to to Purifoy, I thought for sure, OK, here we're going to see a run play. Coach Dinwiddie's going to slow this down. He's going to hand the ball off to Olette and just let Chad sort of settle himself. And instead, he went he went right to the air. It was a it was heavy play action rollout. And then a pass on the run, and he he hit it to Brissett for like twenty nine yards or something like that. And it was it was just it was a perfect way to see like okay, this guy's not going to get phased. Um, but because I, and it makes sense, that's how he was in college. This is how he's always been. He'll make mistakes, and then he'll come back and make highlight real plays. The 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 next like highlight I want to talk about from Chad is uh, what do you make of that? The play where it looked like he was caught in the end zone. Uh, Leonard was going to drag him down for a sack. He somehow escapes, gets his head up, finds Ungerer down the sideline, who's able to take it in for a touchdown. That play on its own seems like it's going to make a, a top 10 list somewhere at some point in the season. Yeah, he, I mean, that 
those are those are the enjoyable things about 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 having Kelly is he, he is going to make those ridiculous plays. He is he is really strong on his feet. He's physically strong. He's hard to bring down. He's always looking downfield. Uh, he trusts his arm probably a little too much, but you know he trusts his arm to to get balls there. So he's good for a couple of magic plays a game. I think you're you're always hoping to to you know, to try and reduce the times where he's a little too confident with his arm. Um, but yeah, the exciting part of, of having him on the field is, is are those plays. I mean, that's what makes the mistakes worth, uh, worth having because his, his ceiling is so high. You know, if, if, you know, one of their backup quarterbacks throws that pick, you know, I would be more disgusted because he's not offering what Chad Kelly can offer, you know, what, the potential of what Chad Kelly can be is, is that's what we see on those magic plays. You had a really nice analogy last year that I may or may not have stolen for the TSN radio broadcast this evening, uh, where you compared McLeod Bethel Thompson last season to a uh, great, safe, reliable vehicle and Chad Kelly to a sports car. Uh, we saw that sports car today. Like this isn't you know, it's not always going to be the right thing. Sometimes you're going to spin out and there are going to be issues and you're going to have to put on snow tires. But sometimes uh, it's worth being able to go all out like we, we saw today. We got a little bit of that up and down of the sports car performance. In terms of the running attack, I thought that was a, a really big development for the Argonauts today to have... To be able to run A.J. Olette like they did, not only did A.J. Olette get three touchdowns today, and this is this is a massive thing. Like, Hoagie was looking this up during our, our radio broadcast because last week, Chad Kelly had three rushing touchdowns. Today, A.J. Olette had three rushing touchdowns. I right. think he said there's only one Argo in history who had ever had four, and there have only been like nine guys in Argo's history who have, who've had three. And to do it in back-to-back games like this, uh, I think Robert Drummond was the only one to ever do it. But what a performance from A.J. Olette. 18 carries, 84 yards, three touchdowns. And, uh, you know, from a, a team that we're not really thinking of the Argos as a run first team, maybe we have to change our, our thinking now. I, the, the offense seems to be built that way. Um, you know, between Olette and, and Harris, they definitely are looking to, to be run balanced, which is, you know, which I think completely makes sense. Um, you, I think, I think for sure you want Kelly's reps right now to be around 20. I think 20 to 23 is a perfect number in terms of pass attempts, um, at least in the first half of the season. So if that's how those numbers keep, keep, uh, you know, balancing out and, uh, and they're able to run as hard as they are, both of them are just hammers. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fantastic to watch after really last year, um, spending most of the year having no running game. Uh, it's been an interesting, uh, transition to, to watch. Yeah. Well, remember that last year when we do our, our pregame walkthrough episode, we do our one thing. And last year, it seemed like every week you were begging for one rushing touchdown. And the Argos did not have a rushing touchdown till like the end of August. And uh, they finally had their first rushing touchdown of the year. Andrew Harris didn't have a rushing touchdown all regular season last year. And here they are two games in with six rushing touchdowns. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's something. No, and I mean, they, you know, they today now Edmonton, you know, Edmonton is not good. However, uh, still Toronto was just gashed them on the ground and, and, you know, for long runs, almost, almost every carry. Um, it, it was, it was great to watch. Um, and, and the fact that Chad Kelly is now mixing in the run, I hope to see him do that a little more. I think that makes his passing that much more dangerous. Um, much like, uh, you know some of some of the quarterbacks in the league who have been able to balance the two really well is is if he can run four or five times a game to keep defenses honest, uh, I think I think that's going to open up another another part of the offense for him. Yeah, and I, I think like three carries for twenty one yards for Chad Kelly that that's great, and it was a, one was a key first down run. Uh, he ran a, a draw. Uh, it it 
they ran in the two point conversion as well, right? So like these these are plays that that you're hoping you can get from Chad Kelly without taking the hits because notice he slid today and he didn't take those big hits. He didn't get sacked once. He got the, the biggest hit he took was on the second interception he threw. I think he was the guy that took down Purifoy at the end. And so that was the the big hit that you'd like not to see him take. But he did a really nice job of avoiding contact all day long. And if you can sneak in a few of those runs, like you said, to complement what AJ and Harris are, are doing, I think that's, yeah, that's pretty big. The, uh, the O-line did a fantastic job. Not only, like we said, did they keep Chad Kelly clean, no sacks allowed, but to be able to create that kind of space for running backs. And it wasn't the O-line they expected it to be. So Darius Soraco, I, I have to think they thought was going to suit up. He had been, you know, touch and go all week. They had listed him as questionable for the game. But I really did feel like, or yeah, no, yeah, Curly Gittins was doubtful. He was questionable. I really felt like he was going to play at center. And instead, he was a really late scratch. So they end up having to move Peter Nicastro over to center. And I would have thought at that point, Gregor McKellar would be the guy that would come in at right guard to slide in for Nicastro. It wasn't. It was Dylan Giffen who came in. And while that's a bit unexpected, you've suddenly got a bunch of guys there that are really good run blockers. You've got Nicastro, you've got Giffen, you've got Allen, who's good at everything. And then Hunter, who's probably their, their best run blocker of, of all of them. So four guys in a row who can really push the pile. So I think that was a real difference maker today too. Uh, in terms of the the pass blocking, uh, I know Dejan, Dejan Allen got uh, a lot of credit last week. He had a really nice game, kept Chad Kelly clean. How did you think it was today? Were they compensating at all? Did you think they were just trying to get the ball out quick? Or did you feel like it was really the Argos line doing a great job of keeping Elks off Kelly? I thought the line looked great. I thought, you know, I thought the line looked good last week too. I think pass block is something that that they're really good at and Chad has done a great job of of identifying his throw that he wants and his release time is very quick when when he decides so I think that he's 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 somebody that they enjoy blocking for because he is not going to to hang on or run around or he hasn't shown any pat the ball happy feet any of those sort of new quarterback red flags that you're looking for he's He's looking to fire that thing right away. So I, I think the two work in tandem. I, I don't think he's holding on to the ball that long. And I think that they are are a good offensive line at pass blocking. I think that is their strength. Um, although we're seeing a new gear, but, you know, we'll, like a lot of things, we'll really see come BC game, um, you know, what's what. I think as you get into game four, Suddenly, you know, games that seem big, you know, right now, Edmonton and and uh, Hamilton are both not very good teams. So um, that's my long-winded way of saying I thought the pass blocking was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And a little concern at the end of the game, we saw Isaiah Cage go down with, it looked like a groin injury. We don't know for sure, but it looked like that's sort of the area he was holding uh, to the you know right side, right groin, and that was what he had injured in the preseason. Remember, he he had missed the preseason games, nursing a groin injury. It's probably, I guess we're we're kind of guessing here, but this is probably something that's going to keep you out a little bit at least, um, and probably should. I think the Argos have enough depth where you want him to be a hundred percent. He's so important. He played really well today too. Um, I guess. Maybe next week they're looking at uh, Trevian Tate. Maybe you're, maybe you're looking at Ryan Hunter at left tackle. That's what they did tonight. They ended up moving Hunter over to left tackle. He's played there. He played his his whole university career at Bowling Green was at left tackle. He's good at it, but as a professional, he's only been on the inside. And so, it is a, it's a bit of a question. I think they have more guards than they do tackles. So if they are comfortable with Hunter playing left tackle, that makes sense to me. But we'll have to see, especially if, if Sirocco's back. But I think we'll have to see how 
Uh, have to see how well he does in practice this week um, because they did test him early. As soon as he got out there, they started trying to go outside, inside, and and really work him. He responded well, but in pretty pretty limited number of snaps. But that's the only concern I saw. Any other injuries you saw tonight? Anything you were worried about long term? No, yeah. Uh, again, I think it's, it's hard to tell because people end up, you know, I didn't think um, Curly Gittens was an issue, and then he was. Um so no, I mean that's a big one for sure. Like like he really is the starter, and there's a big drop off after him. So that that's going to be something that that's going to be a problem for sure against BC. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, so hopefully nobody else went down. McManus looked great. He had that great shot on the quarterback at the end, and um, you know he's still working his way back from an injury too. Um, just you know, I don't I don't expect him to look like the McManus of the beginning of the year yet. But he he, he had a really nice burst and a really hammer hit on on the quarterback at the end of the game. That was really nice to see. So I I think he is working his way back to a hundred percent as well. And you mentioned Curly Gittens Jr. There was concern like Canadian receivers. Curly Gittens is a star, and so missing him, you think, well, that's a that's a huge problem to have one of the best receivers in the CFL missing, the best Canadian receiver in the CFL missing, and being replaced by David Unger III and Dejan Brissett. Didn't they go out and have a huge game? They combined for, what was it, seven catches for 138 yards and a touchdown? They were both incredible today, and they needed to be because the, the – well – the way that the Argos used the roster, I expected BJ Bird to be getting a lot of snaps because they were able to do that using this these strange new uh, designated American, uh, um, national American, all these other designations they've got. They were able to use Bird in for a lot of those Canadian snaps, and they didn't have to. They never they never did it. Bird didn't get a single target. He did the punt return, kick return duties. But other than that, Brissett and Unger just balled out. And it was it's so good to see them do that because you realize that the team can afford to lose Curly Gittens Jr. for a game here, a game there. You're not hoping for anything long-term, obviously, but the nature of football is you're going to be missing for a couple games. And they were able to withstand it, not just withstand it. Those were the two leading receivers for the Argos tonight, the two Canadians, Brissett and Unger. So that was huge. Yeah, it, it's we've talked about it. One of the Argos' greatest strengths is the the Russian roulette of their wide receiver room. That you know that you, one week a guy just like I don't know whether they decide in the room who's going to be a star each week, but you know every week you have a guy who comes out and is unstoppable and so you might game plan or identify or you know be like okay we got to make sure that we take care of uh Coxy this week and then you know Brissett and Ungerer come out of nowhere and then next game you load up on them and Daniels shows up and then you you know and it goes down the line so they they continue to show that chameleon style of offense that Whoever, whoever they find is getting good looks is the one they're going to feed the whole game, which I love. I, I love offensively that, that philosophy. Let's look at the defensive side of the ball. I, I, I thought the defense played really well. Those 31 points are really misleading. Here's why. Seven of them came off a pick six. You had the weird circus touchdown that... Uh, Vincent uh, Forbes Mambolo scored at the end that just is you can't like <laughs> I don't see, even know did you see McManus's expression oh I'm sure I didn't but I'm sure it was <laughs> because he crushed the quarterback and then looked around <laughs> to see like a circus behind him <laughs> yeah he, he looked back to see the pick he's like well surely one of those DBs got a free pick because of all my work he's like touchdown yeah it was just pure disgust yeah, but well, I think Robertson Daniel had a hand on it, and then he, but he popped it up into the air, and it went landed right into Forbes Mumblow's hands, and nobody else was back there. It was just a just one of those weird, weird plays that like made it feel like a strange game. So that's two touchdowns. Then you had a third touchdown that was set up by a huge punt return, followed by a fifteen yard penalty a couple of plays later. So twenty one of those thirty one points just came on strange things that the defense uh, had very little to do with. Yeah, so, the special teams did not have a great night tonight. Um, now, who knows? 
maybe Sims is the new Deadman or the new Gizmo or the new whomever. Um, and and that'll all be explainable, but uh holy cow, the like um pump return the <laughs> 30-yard average on return and a kickoff return was also 30. Yeah, you can live with a 30 yard kickoff return average. You cannot live with a 30 yeah, yard well, punt return average. But a 30, even 30 at kickoff is, I don't is know high. if you would live with it. You might. I think we may you, have last year. You would year. definitely be like, okay, we should, you know, that's a lot to give up 30 yards. But a punt, I mean, <laughs> we were 11, you know, in case, you know, the difference is uh, 30s and our kickoff return was 13. And 30s, the. A the lot. 11 punt return for Toronto. I actually thought it was actually did quite, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I know. Uh, I don't think Edmonton is very good at football. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. But the, the reason I'm concerned is that that 30 that you're talking about. Yes, Sims did look magical at times, but there was the, his longest return. There was nobody near him. Like nobody no, was near know. him. Did nobody there just like like 15 yards before the gunner. Yeah, I was like where? <laughs> I mean, look, maybe to take a page out of Edmonton's book, maybe they need to start using that uh, pooch kick. Yeah, something. I I don't know. Like it, you can't continue like that. You just can't give up thirty yards on every punt return. That's too many yards. Like just, you may no. as well not punt it at that point. Like it, right, you should, right. Just go. Yeah, you probably like, should at that stage. Yeah, because. Uh, just, just, yeah. I mean, honestly, just, or, I don't know. Find some, find someone else at Gunner. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I, any concern about the high percentage of um, completions for the Edmonton quarterback? So you had Taylor Cornelius that started the game. He was fourteen of eighteen. I know he didn't look good, but look at his yeah. numbers. Like fourteen of eighteen for one thirty-five and a touchdown. You look at the numbers, and you're like, that's, that's pretty efficient. Now. Maybe the stats are a bit misleading there, but that is a high completion percentage. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think it goes to show you how the percent, how the stats can not always, but can be misleading because you know if you look at him and he has a seventy-five completion rate and a hundred and twenty-five efficiency rate, and you know you look at Chad Kelly's at fifty-three and seventy-five, but I wouldn't take. Cornelius's performance over Chad's. No, of course. You know, it's just. Well, Cornelius. Well, he he got hurt, but I think he might have been pulled at some point anyway. Yeah, he, he like he he makes he makes okay passes, and he can run a bit. You know, I, I don't think he's. I think he's probably a very good backup. Um, you know, I don't think he's terrible, but there, but he doesn't make the passes that you have to if you want to be a winner in the league he doesn't he doesn't make those plays down the field that you have to he's you know he check down king and that's just that's that ceiling is is so low on a quarterback like that and then uh Jared Dagey came in well first Kai Loxley came in for one play and I it was a fumbled gonna... a fumbled exchange that Robertson Daniel recovered and then that was it. That was the end of the Kai Loxley experiment. And then Daigie came in, who we didn't even think would dress. Like, there's there's no chance that the Argos spent any time preparing for Daigie, uh, a guy that they didn't think was even going to be dressed. You thought it would be Trey Ford, for sure. I still can't believe it wasn't Trey Ford. But yeah, Daigie actually doesn't only dress. He gets in there, goes 9 of 11 for 163, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, he looked great, but he's playing in garbage time. They haven't seen a a, a single play of film on him, I'm sure. So right. exactly. I don't well, really do much with that. Look, look at Schultz, right? He 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 looked fine too in the fourth quarter against the Argos, right? And then you know Montreal took him apart on the spit. So it it I I don't mind Diggy. I mean, he made some nice throws. He you know he he there were a couple of really good throws down the field he made. Um. You know, I I think it, I wouldn't want to be Edmonton right now. I know that that room, you know, coach made a decision to kind of show up his quarterback. I don't know. You got to have a lot of currency to show up a guy like that just after one fumble to pull him. Those are the kinds of things that uh, are tough to pull off unless you're winning a lot of football um, or you are a legend. 
and I'm not sure Coach Jones is either. So that's going to be interesting to see how the week plays out. Well, I'm just, I'm sure Coach Jones was like broke his clipboard in half over his leg because he he yeah had... I I get the instinct but yeah you just I know what can't. you're saying you know the part of coaching is is people management you know you only have power if the players give it to you you, you can't it's not 1952 so we'll see the Argos front seven tonight registered a sack or two. Uh, in fact, they they had six sacks. Are they officially yeah, the sack exchange? Toronto sack exchange. There Open you go. for business. Opening bell. We need an opening bell sound effect. Yeah, they Get are. Get on that BMO, BMO game squad. They're open for business. So Thomas Costigan had a sack. He had a great game tonight. Brandon Barlow had a sack. Aramalade and Hendricks both had a sack. Hendricks is a, is a beast. And then Pickett had two sacks. He blitzed quite a lot tonight, too. Uh, what, what do you make of, we haven't even had a chance to talk about Sean Oakman. Sean Oakman is a fantastic football player. Sean Oakman is one of the best defensive tackles in the CFL. The Argos were in a position where they could only dress two American defensive tackles because of the injury to Curly Gittins Jr. You needed to have enough Canadians dressed. They ended up having to dress more Canadians on the D-line. They went with nine D-linemen, but could not afford to dress another American D-tackle. Imagine being so stacked at that position that you have to sit Sean Oakman as good as he is. You have Hendricks and uh, and you have, um, who am I missing? Brinkman, Jared Brinkman as the two tackles. That's that's a, a real wealth of talent in the defensive tackle spot. Yeah, it's a, a, well, we've talked about the wealth that the Argos have at a number of positions. Um I, I don't know how financially that plays in, in terms of the decision that's made there, or, um, you know, I, I don't think that it's an issue of, of they don't like what they're seeing. I think it's just simply somebody has to sit and Brinkman played out of his head last week. Yeah. And so you can't sit him. And I think you want to get Hendricks reps. So just, just a numbers game there. Yeah. And I, I think I, I would expect that, as soon as Curly Gittens can return, I think you will see Oakman back there. They'll dress all three guys because yeah. they're so valuable. But it was just one of those weird things. And Oakman had a good game last week, too. The difference that I saw in rewatching the Argos game during the week was Brinkman was great at everything. He didn't he didn't make a mistake. He was the best Argos defender, maybe second best defender on the field because Robertson Daniel played I super would, well, too. Exactly. I would bet I would be surprised if it wasn't the case that in fact they had to change their depth chart um, after that game about who was going to sit if KGJ was down. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it it would. And and Hendricks, I think might be the best D lineman on the team week to week. Like he's so valuable and not a guy that gets talked about a lot, but he can do everything. And so between Brinkman and and Hendricks, those guys, and, and I didn't see, I didn't see Brinkman used a ton tonight that way. He was creating space for people early, but they experimented. Like you have to be happy, even though it didn't always work. But some of the creativity we saw from Coach Mace, you saw Aremilade lined up as a linebacker. We saw Aremilade lined up on the inside with uh, Brinkman on the outside in one snap. They had Hendricks on the outside for a couple snaps. They ran a bunch of DNs out there as sort of like a NASCAR package where you go for speed from all four uh, defensive line spots. They were doing some really cool, creative stuff. They had halfback blitzes on at least four occasions, one of which resulted in a fumble, another which uh, of which resulted in a sack. Um, you got to love that defensive creativity from Mace. They, they do. I, I, we, I, I feel that the, the, the talent the Argos have is really opening up the playbook and that they're really able to cook up some things. So as a coach... It's amazing it's to not that you're not, you know, kind of uh, tape and 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 gluing together a defense through injuries to try and find how you can keep all the water out, but that you have so many weapons that you can try guys at different positions and come from different places, makes you incredibly hard to scheme for uh, when you're able to give different looks and and guys in different positions. If I had one. I wasn't crazy about. Uh, I wasn't crazy about some of the times that they blitzed, especially as we started getting closer to our end. I think 
sometimes I'd, ra- I'd rather see them kind of just play head up and keep everything in front of them. But I can I can live with it if it's going to mean an aggressive defense. I won't I won't uh, I won't bemoan it. A lot of the blitzes did result in sacks, but they also resulted in some big plays. What's funny yeah, is that's, the yeah, that's all, I mean that's your that's your that's your that's, that's blitzing right? Like that's that is you know that's what you get when you when you blitz. But the pick six came on like a base defense where they didn't really have anything going on. They were just sort of playing a a, a base sort of four two. Everyone just sitting back, and Royce Mechie just read the quarterback's eyes, came in, picked the ball, ran fifteen yards for a touchdown. Um, but it's funny, like of all the exotic stuff, the pick six just came on the least interesting defense. Yeah, well, they called well, all night. Sometimes, sometimes when you're really talented, you don't have to dress it up. You just ball. You know, one thing I noticed today, and we've we've given Adarius Pickett a lot of love, and I'm going to pile on with that a little bit. Something he did beautifully tonight was uh, set up other blitzers there were a number of times where he would show something very late and then back out of it and when you show something that that late the quarterback thinks he's trying to hide that so like right at the last second you'd see Darius Pickett sort of take two steps forward like not not early not mugging not there at the line as soon as the as soon as the the O-line lines up like late 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 they're just about to get the snap he takes two steps forward and you think oh Pickett's coming and instead, he bails and someone's coming from the other side. He set up Robertson Daniel like that a couple of times where Pickett creeps in, creeps in, then takes off. And here comes Daniel from the other side. Quarterbacks are completely thrown off by it. He had a couple of those tonight. Just really savvy veteran moves. There was another one, too, on a sack. I don't remember which sack it was. There were so many. But Adarius was lined up as a safety. He was actually deep middle. And in fact, he had... Uh, man coverage on the running back that was his that was the play but he he bailed way out to deep middle and then right as the ball was snapped came running in full speed and took away a flats route from the running back the quarterback was going to throw it because he's like no one's got the running back and he's like oh has to hold on to it at the last second and then takes a sack so that was more just stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet for Pickett, but just more plays where he's just out there making the team better how yeah, do you feel I mean, about him being like Sorry, you you finished your thought, but add on to it. Like, how do you feel about him being on every single special team? Because I know he's well, so valuable on those two, but he might just be too valuable a player to have on every single uh, unit. Yeah, I I don't mind him being on specials, but I can't, I can't have him returning kicks. It you know he had that one where he jumped in the air over a tackle. I'm like, oh my god. I mean, he he is your best defensive player right now, in in my opinion. He the defense is is feeding off his energy and also like you talk about all of that mug stuff none of that stuff works if he doesn't have great film so coordinators are identifying him you know they are you know they are looking quarterbacks are looking for him pre-snap um he's at that point where he can influence the game without having to make the play because because protection is going to be moved to him um and i just can't have him returning he's not a returner he's he's not very he's not a fast returner he's simply just catching the ball and moving ahead a couple of yards so risk and reward it makes no sense to me just you know find another receiver find somebody who's going to catch the ball and move it ahead four yards and be tackled I, I i don't think in any way we should let pickett be taking that contact because uh, i don't see the reward what's the reward he, he's not going to break a kick the you know, reward I, I get is, the, is him I get as the a argument. blocker. Yeah, but you got to get him away from the return. And if if they're going to kick to him, then you got to get him off the team. That's the problem, right? Because he is he's a great lead blocker when I they know. kick it to Bird or Leak. But the thing is, we've seen teams understand his value to the Argos and just kick it to him because now they get a free shot on one of your best players. And, and even with his great blocking, like really, like kick return is not clearly it's not something we need. <laughs> they won last year without it uh we haven't really needed this year I, I i just don't think there's a weapon there that he is releasing by having a good block so i would i would just have somebody else do a poor block and you know we can continue with our poor average without without risking our best defensive player 
Jamal Peters was back for this game. He makes his 2023 debut and he's thrown right into the fire, has to cover the best receiver in the league in Gina Lewis. Does pretty well statistically. I know he had a PI call. We can talk about that a little bit. But Gina Lewis, five catches for 43 yards with a long of 14. And most of that came late. I don't think he had a catch until the fourth quarter. No. And then suddenly they started piling that on a bit. Um, He looked pretty good. He didn't look up to full form quite yet. But uh, it was great to see him out there making plays. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, had that rip. Oh, yeah. At the goal line, right? I mean, oh, that was that's, so headsy. And it was right after, we talked about like the ups and downs. He made that right after making the mistake, right? He got yeah, the Yeah, that's PI. a monster play. And I'm not sure, like when I watched the replay, I thought there was going to be a challenge there. I, to me, it looked like he was he was stepping inside the, to, to go after the ball, which is his right. And the, he and the receiver's feet got tangled up, which is not P.I. So I was I was actually surprised that the Argos didn't challenge that PI call. I I didn't think that was PI on Peters, but then he comes right back and has that goal line rip, uh, which was freaking amazing. Um, so yeah, it was fantastic to have him back. I am excited that Coach Dinwiddie has not yet made a poor <laughs> challenge call yeah. because he's not made any. He hasn't challenged a play yet this year. He was so he was terrible last year. He was he was two of fourteen last season on challenges and the worst in the league at it. I love that. He's just not, he's not throwing away timeouts this way. Like maybe he's just decided I'm, I'm not going to challenge plays yeah, anymore. That that's probably a wise decision. Keep your timeouts and, you know, live to. to yeah. Unless, I mean, play. unless you really, I mean, at that point, the Argos were relatively in control. So I, I understand that. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I thought all in all, it did a really nice job. Game management today, I thought was pretty good. Uh, offensively and defensively, I thought just uh, in terms of the the play calling for Coach Dinwiddie, the decision making, the only one that I questioned all game was late in the game. It was the third and two from the Edmonton forty with less than a minute to go. They ended up punting. I think I think you go for it in that third and two. They were running the ball so well. You've got Andrew Harris, you've got AJ Olette. The O line is blocking like nobody's business. Get your two yards, take a knee, and get out of there. Instead, it ends up uh, resulting in many more plays, uh, another long punt return, uh, p- potential for guys to get hurt, all sorts of other things. I think you've got to go for it there. That's the only, if I was going to be really, really picky, that's the only thing I would have done differently. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I think you, you have them on the ground, put your foot on their throat, especially with how well you're running the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We haven't seen them run this well in, in ages. Let's go to our, our players of the game. So who's your player of the game in this one? There's a lot of guys to choose from. Um, yeah, I mean, wide open. look, I, I mean, I could just pick pick it every week, uh, but that gets a bit old. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give him a pass this week, even though I showed him out. Uh, I'm going to give my player of the game to Ungerer, Ungerer the third, um, Sir Ungerer. Um, I thought he had a fantastic game he had you know he had that great scramble touchdown followed scramble rules appropriately on uh on a on a rollout turned his his short run into a deep run um he blocked a punt he was just an energy guy the whole game he was three for three on targets and catches uh what more would you want from a guy coming off the bench than that to me that's that's the player of the game yeah, he he was awesome. He he was just on fire. Three catches, seventy five yards, a touchdown. Found a way to be useful as uh, in every facet, like you said, blocking, blocking punts. But yeah, his his blocking on those some of those screens, like those those screens to Brissett, uh, that was something that's been missing from the Argos. We've talked about that same play, that sort of quick hitch uh, to the outside, and we've seen. Going back well, the last few seasons, guys get blown up, and Unger I, wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious. You look, this is a guy who's grabbing a Canadian wide receiver spot. That's not going to be, you know, when when Gittins is ready, there might be other Canadian receivers that uh, are going to have an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, Dejan Brissett is the guy he's battling with, and I thought Brissett had a good yeah. game today too. Like he ran he hard, he was aggressive. He had sixty-three yards, four catches. Yeah, he's got nice chemistry with Kelly. He he's still <laughs> that deep fade. I don't know what he was doing on it, uh, but that's not his thing. Like that's not his. But clearly, that's not his his thing. You know, let him let him let him run those, you know, posts, let him run those ins. 
Um, he's got good hands. He's fast after the catch. Uh, I, I love seeing those two have chemistry. I mean, obviously, I love seeing Brissett get get a shot there. That's that's going to be interesting between those two. Who who uh, who gets dressed? And I think they probably have a way. To, like they both dressed last week along with Curly Gittins Jr. You can do it. It just means you're dressing one less Canadian D lineman probably. So that would be Sam Achimpong yeah. not dressing probably. And that's what happened last week. So maybe that's the way they'll do it. We got to see. First of all, we don't know how long Curly Gittins Jr. is going to be out. It's it's tough to say with hamstrings and receivers. We know that we've seen that. Like Eric Rogers, we saw. We saw him miss basically a whole season trying to get back from from hamstring injuries. So you don't want to you don't want to rush Curly Gittens back. Certainly, for my player of the game, I'm going to go a little a little different here too. Uh, you going offense is is pretty rare. <laughs> I'm going offensive line, and you don't see that a lot for player of the game. I, I, look, I, I thought Dylan Giffen played out of his mind today. He didn't think he was going to be in there. I think in all likelihood, he felt like he was going to be backing up at guard. Maybe he'd be in as as a tight end or an extra lineman on some plays. He was in there for the entire game, and he run blocked like nobody's business. That's that's his best thing. But he also didn't give up a sack. Gave up a, a little bit of pressure. Not much, though. And in such an important year for him as a 2020 draft pick, really trying to establish himself to get this kind of playing time, he made the most of it. He directly contributed to two touchdown runs and was sensational all night. So O'Lyman never get enough credit. Dylan Giffen is my player of the game uh, for this one. You know who else I give a shout out to is uh, I thought Adam Boye had an amazing game. Oh, he did. And, you know, he had, um, uh, you know, he had a monster special teams play. Uh, he ran the ball really well. A couple of really, couple of nice runs. Uh, I thought he, I thought he was, I thought it was his best game. I've seen him play in, in a long time, truthfully. I thought he was a real weapon uh, on specials and offense. Yeah, and a couple of things on that. So first of all, yeah, he played a lot at the end, got a bunch of carries, ran extremely well, had seven carries for 48 yards. He ran at one point, he'd run like three or four straight runs, and they were all really tough runs where he's moving piles and having to keep those legs turning. And you could see he was so slow to get up. I don't think because he was hurt, because his legs are just feeling it. And he got up, and they're calling yet another run back to Adebaboy. Finally, they took him out and put Harris in there because he was just gassed. But uh, yeah, great work. And then like you talked about on special teams, he flattened a couple guys. This one, yeah. the one coverage play where he he just, he didn't even slow down. He ran over one elk without even being phased by it and then took out a second elk on his way down the field. He's such a special teams ace. So yeah, I'm hoping he gets recognized for that this year. He got left out last year, I think. Um, was it last? Was it last year that he wasn't? He wasn't on the ballot last year. And we thought he would something like that. But he he deserves to be in the conversation for in, in terms of uh, special teams player of the year because he's so good in that role and on coverage teams. So yeah, hopefully that that doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, play of the game. Uh, where are you going for play of the game? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, <clears throat> there was the um, the flag. And then you know on on Kelly that that really changed things, but that's a bit boring to choose. Um, I think for me, my offensive play of the game or my play of the game was the response the Argos had to Edmonton. They're in Edmonton, the game they should win. Edmonton comes down the field, they look good, they run the ball in, they're feeling it, they are on fire. Uh, we had come out, the Argos had come out and had a terrible first drive. And, you know, if they have a terrible second drive, again, who knows? Who knows where that goes? It could be a very different game. They go down 14 nothing. Drove down the field, run and pass. A couple of really nice passes by Kelly. Uh, a couple of good hard runs. But I, to me, you know, I got to give a shout out to Olette on the touchdown run, which wasn't that fancy, but it was, it was like uh, symbolic or... Uh, you know, sort of was embolized everything they did on that drive, and he just smashed the ball into the end zone uh, in a way that let Edmonton know that the champs were there. So that that's my play of the game. I think I do think Edmonton really deflated after that drive down the field that they had scored and they were doing well, and then Toronto just smashed them. 
Um, yeah. So I'm going to take that run in for a touchdown. Yeah, that was just a business drive, right? Like, just no, this is what we do. It was, it was yeah, beautiful. And, and not just to score, but to like go down the field, run pass, run pass. You know, whatever you do, we don't care. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was, I thought that was massive. My play of the game is the highlight reel sports car moment. I just thought it was such a, it was such a big moment in the game because you see a little bit of that Chad Kelly flash. And it was important in terms of points, in terms of getting off to a good start in that third quarter. They put up 18 points. They won that third quarter 18 nothing, And it was sparked by, by that huge play. Chad Kelly drops back. Uh, I, think, I think it was, I feel like it was Isaiah Cage missed his block on, on Leonard, uh, who came in and uh, looked like he was going to pull Chad Kelly to the ground. Chad muscled his way out of that tackle. Took off to the left. Most quarterbacks at that point, especially newer quarterbacks, just run. Take the take the five or six yards. He gets his head up, looks downfield, sees Unger wide open on the sideline. You had a, a rookie corner that's trying to play uh, the difference between uh, a deep guy and a shallow guy. Unger is wide open. Kelly finds him, and it's a, it's a pretty quick six. So to me, that was the play of the game because it was just such an emotional spark. Um, but I, I agree with you, though. Your, that opening drive is key. It's not really one play, but I know you like to think outside the box or cheat, as I would say it. So I'll it let you choose a, a whole drive touch, as was, your one play. His touchdown, his touchdown run. No, you kind of had the whole drive in there as your well, one play. Well, just a little context. All right, it's all good. Anyway, we got uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. We're gonna we'll be back with our pregame walkthrough midweek as the Toronto Argonauts get set to take on the first place BC Lions, first place Toronto Argonauts. It's gonna be a huge one. It's it, you know look at getting your tickets now because it is a holiday Monday. It's two first place teams. They are gonna be honoring Damon Allen and Mookie Mitchell. Um, it's yeah, it, it's gonna be a great one. If it's a beautiful night down at BMO Field. There is nowhere else uh, anyone would rather be. So make sure you check that out. JB's report card will be up soon. You can find all of our <laughs> stuff at xsandargos.com. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the foe, foe.